Good morning, church family. Uh, unfortunately, again, cannot be with you today. Uh, we are at home quarantining this weekend, but I apologize for that. But it's a pleasure to be able to bring you a sermon uh, online. Before I jump into that, I just want to say that I know it's a messy time. It's messy. I'm not there today. Church has been messy. Our lives have been messy. Our heads are messy. The world is messy. There's wars. There's, there's mental afflictions. There's all kinds of things going on. People are still really struggling with their faith, their belief, uh, their trust in God, uh, their belief in the revelation of the church and even being part of a faith community. But I really want to encourage for those who are willing to trudge and wade through the mess, this is where God works. He doesn't work so visibly and so outwardly in these messy times, but he works in our inner life and he forms us on the inside. So let the hands of God shape you, form you during this time. Uh, don't be afraid of the mess because he can do a great work on the inside of you if you allow him uh, and, and, and that will begin to produce fruit in the future. But getting on to today, we continue our uh, prayer series. So I want to preach to you today. My sermon is called Silent and still. And in a few weeks, I'm going to do a live coaching session on a Monday night at 8 p.m., April 11. I, you all have to be there. This is absolutely critical to establish. I'm going to do some live coaching to help you establish and get a plan to have a daily prayer habit. So we don't want to just be hearing this prayer series and sitting in sermons going, yes, 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 I believe in this without doing anything about it. When you really believe in something, it actually results in action and fruitfulness in your life. We don't want to be hearers uh, and not doers of the word. So I encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, it's going to be a great night and it's going to uh, get you in a position where you are praying every day. So today, silent and still. I want to tell you about this town that was actually called Still, named Still. It's in a dry, dusty, hot, arid place. And this little city which has these huge walls, this tiny little city, doesn't have a huge population, uh, is like an oasis among a very dry, arid, hot, dusty land. And the people that live in this town love it. They will never, ever leave this town called Still. The king and the queen of the town are named Silence and Solitude. King Silent is a majestic leader that the whole town looks up to. They adore. He protects the town. He leads the town uh, with incredible might and strength. Solitude, his wife, the queen, is a beautiful woman who's uh, elegant and royal, uh, oozes from every part of her. Solitude is her name. But the real darling of the city is their little girl, Princess Slowed Down Spirituality. I know that's a funny name, but Princess Slowed Down Spirituality. She is the joy of the town. She is the apple in everybody's eye. And everybody in this town lives this beautiful, slow life, spiritually deep life, like times of solitude, times of silence. This is the town called Still. Now, pilgrims travel from all across the earth to come to this town called Still because it's peaceful. People live meaningful lives. The pace is just right. It's not a, a greedy pace where people are pushing and grasping, but it's also not a pace of life that's lazy and without hope and without meaning. Everybody has full lives, real relationships, healthy healthy lives. And people want to travel there from across the world to join this city. And many, many pilgrims set out, but many do not make it. 
You see, there's three warlords that control the dusty, dry, hot, arid region around this oasis of the city of Still. These warlords are named Hurry, Distraction and Noise. And these three tyrants are oppressive in nature. And as the pilgrims travel from across the world to come to this oasis of the city of Still, they are often taken captive. This tyrant of noise drowns out all of their thoughts, drowns out all of their hopes and dreams. They can't hear, they can't see. They lose their visibility as the tyrant of noise takes them captive and they never reach stillness. They never come into contact with the king and queen of solitude and silence. They never see the princess. They never lay eyes on the beautiful princess, slowed down spirituality. The oppressive tyrant of distraction. He is known for his trickery and his deceit. He sucks people in. They come looking for stillness to come to this town to fill their souls, to find rest, to live a meaningful life. But the tyrant of stillness takes them, oh sorry, of distraction takes them captive and many pilgrims don't make it. Hurry, noise, distraction. These tyrants, these ruthless warlords, are, are, are a threat. They're a threat to us all. But the ones, the pilgrims who make it to the door, to the gates of the city of still, their lives are transformed. They live a life of stillness. They live a life of hearing the voice of God. They live a life of death. They live a life where everything has a powerful, powerful meaning. This is the town that I want to live in. This is the city that you can have because of Jesus Christ. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's that famous psalm, Be still and know that I am God. I came into 2022 looking for a complete overhaul in my spiritual life and my relationship with Jesus. And interestingly, God said to me, Victory through being still. Success through being silence. And this went totally against my own understanding of what it would mean to have a great 2022. What it would mean to grow in Christ. What it would mean to perform better as a, as a leader and a pastor this year. But God clearly said to me, success through silence. Spiritual depth through being still. And it's really played with my mind. I've had to find God in a whole new way. But you know, it was the same for Jesus. And I want this is what I want to really touch on today is how did Jesus pray? What were the prayer habits of Jesus Christ? Because in the prayer habits of Jesus Christ, we see a lot of silence, we see a lot of solitude, and we see a lot of stillness. Jesus was not taken captive by the tyrants of noise and hurry and distraction and entertainment and shallowness and just skimming through life. Jesus often drew away to silent places. He was often caught praying. So we, we spoke a few weeks ago about the Lord's Prayer. And the lead into the Lord's Prayer, well, in the Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, the lead-in can be found in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it says that Jesus was praying in a certain place. So he had a prayer spot and he was praying there. And that's when his disciples came to him, seeing him praying and said to him, teach us how to pray. Just like 
John the Baptist taught his disciples, teach us how to pray. Obviously, the Jews, the Jewish way of praying, obviously, these disciples who looked at their Jewish priests and their Jewish parents and their Jewish families were seeing that their prayers did not stack up. And there was a real difference in the way that Jesus prayed and they prayed. So they asked him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Here's another example of Jesus praying in Luke 3. 21 and also Luke chapter 4. I'll, I'll, I'll jump through a few verses. So all the people are being baptized in Luke 3 21 and Jesus was baptized too. But it says while he was praying, so obviously while he's being baptized, he's praying, he's talking to God, the heavens were open and the dove comes down as a Holy Spirit and falls upon him. Now, chapter 4 and verse 1, immediately after his baptism, Jesus is led by the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. Now, the Greek word here is eremios, into the wilderness, eremios. For 40 days he's tempted by the devil and he eats nothing in those days. 40 days, 40 nights, he eats nothing. He's tempted by the devil and there's three different temptations. We won't go through those today, but tempts his selfishness, tempts him to sin. But we know Jesus did not give in to the temptation or give in to sin. And then he returns to Galilee, so his hometown, in the power of the Spirit. And interestingly, we, we see that 40 days in a desert, 40 days without eating, 40 days of being accosted by the devil did not leave Jesus battered and wearied, but the silence and the solitude, even in the desert, even without the food, even under the oppression of the devil, actually brought Jesus to a place where he was full of the power of the Holy Spirit, so full of the power of God. So what was he doing in the desert? How was he praying in such a way in that place, that dry, hostile oppressive place that built him up in God and didn't drain him. Because I'm pretty sure for you and I, we'd struggle to be mentally drained, emotionally drained, socially drained, physically unwell. But Jesus' food, spiritual food, was the thing that kept him alive. Now, let me touch on this wilderness experience here, this word, this Greek word, Arameos, because it means desert. It can mean a deserted place. It can mean a, a, a desolate place or a solitary place. So somewhere that's a, a lonely place, uh, that's alone, it can mean a quiet place. And that's often why we call our prayer times a quiet time, because we go into a, a lonely place, an and, and eremos, a desert. That's what my alfresco, where I'm actually out here on my alfresco now, where I often pray in the mornings, this is my lonely place. 6.45 a.m., I'm out here. It's getting darker now, so often I'm out here in the dark. And this is my desert. This is my quiet place. But I don't get worn out. I don't get dry and thirsty. No, I get filled up here. But I need a lonely place, a silent place, a place of solitude, a still place in order to find God and in order to pray. Prayer doesn't happen among the noise. Let's jump to another example from Jesus. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Yes, Pastor Caleb, I must be doing something right. Early in the morning, still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and he went off to an Eremos, a solitary place, it says. The English translation is solitary place here, but again, the same Greek word, Eremos, where he prayed. So Jesus was obviously in the habit of getting up early, leaving before everyone else got up, not eating breakfast, prayer for him, solitude for him, finding a silent place where he could be alone with his Father in heaven was highly important. More important than breakfast, more important than sleep, 
more important than staying up all night playing video games like Elden Ring, like net binging on Netflix, like staying up as a workaholic thinking you're such, such an incredible worker because you can work until midnight and sleep for four hours. No, these things were not the things that told Jesus he was a successful human being. These were not the things that filled his soul and gave him rest and gave him strength. It was getting up in the dark and in the night, not to work, not to play games, not to watch movies, but to find his father in heaven. Obviously, it stuck out enough for Mark for him to record it in his gospel. His routine was trumped, his sleep routine, his eating routines was trumped by his need to pray. Luke chapter 5 verse 16, but Jesus often, it's a different writer here, we've had Mark and his gospel mentioned Jesus getting up early. Now Luke from a different angle in his gospel is saying Jesus often withdrew to the Aramaeus or to the Eremos, sorry, to lonely places and prayed. Jesus did this a lot, meaning it was a habit. It wasn't something he did to run away. It wasn't something that he was doing because he should or because the Pharisees did or because he was trying to, he was trying to show us that, that, that we maybe should do this to perform for God. No, 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 no. He went and did this because he loved God. He loved the Father and he wanted to spend time with him. So he often drew away to a lonely place. Can't be a place of noise when we pray. Can't be a place of distraction when we pray. Can't be a crowded place. It's not a corporate place prayer session or praying with others. This is a time when we pray. For Jesus, it was a regular habit. It was a ritual. It was full of love and adoration for the Father. It was where he drew on the resources of heaven. It was where he drew on his faith and his trust in God. It was a place that was not dry. It was not a place that he didn't know what to do. The lonely place wasn't a place where he, where he twiddled his thumbs. It was a place where he met with his Father. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 and, and 9, 28 talk about Jesus praying on mountainsides. So on one of those days, Luke says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God, the entire night praying to God. Again, we see the habits, the rituals, the rhythms of Jesus' life are often trumped by prayer. Did he have responsibilities? Yes. Did he have to eat? Yes. Did he have, was he famous? Yes, he was. Did he have people clamoring for his attention, wanting him for meetings, wanting him for important things to do? Was he a cultural commentator that had something to say about the issues of the day? 100%. He was sought after by kings and royalty. He was sought after by priests and, 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 and the, uh, the, the aristocracy. He was sought after all the time. Yet all of these important things that Jesus could do or did do was constantly trumped by this habit that he had to pray. Prayer has to be a habit. If prayer is not a habit, you won't do it. If prayer is not an act of faith because you believe in God, you won't do it. If prayer is not an evangelistic shouting of your heart that Jesus is real and he rose from the dead, then you won't pray. Prayer is something that must be a habit. And the only way that you can form a habit is by replacing it with other habits. You will have some habit, which is your morning routine. You'll have some habit, which is what you do with your 24 hours, seven days a week, the same amount of time we all have. We all have 168 hours a week. Jesus had 168 hours a week. How you use them are made up of your habits, your rituals, and your rhythms. The only way that you become a healthy, deep, godly prayer 
is by replacing some of those habits with the habit of prayer. Prayer will never just magically happen because you try and will it. It needs to be replaced by other habits. So Luke 9, 28, eight days after this, Jesus took Peter, James and John and went back probably to the same mountain, to the mountainside to pray. And in, in Luke 9, this is actually where the transfiguration takes place. And if you notice in the Gospel of Luke, often out of prayer, prayer Luke will often mention prayer and then uh, that is followed by a major event or a major happening in the narrative. And in Luke chapter 9, Jesus takes Peter, James and John on the mountain to pray and then he's transfigured before him. He becomes a shining light before him. His clothes turn as white as snow. Moses and Elijah appear on his left and right. So let's think about this. What are some modern day places for you to find silence and solitude? What are some modern day places? Because you might not have a mountainside right at your front door and I definitely don't have any deserts right near me, but I do have the Cranbourne Botanic Gardens just out the back here. Brilliant place to go and pray. Male Fresco, my backyard right here. Great place to get out to find silence, to find solitude. If I'm not alone and if it's not silent, I'm not going to be able to pray. Maybe it's a beach, maybe it's a lounge chair, maybe it's a lounge room in your house. Uh, if you've got kids, if you've got a busy home, take the dog, get out, go for a walk, find a place, sit on a park bench. Maybe it's in the night. If, you've, if you're a mum that's feeding a child in the middle of the night, well, instead of watching your phone or instead of worrying about a whole bunch of things, spend five minutes while you're putting that baby back to sleep, just resting in silence and solitude and crying out to your father in heaven. John Mark Comer says... The busier and the more in demand and famous Jesus became, the more he withdrew to his quiet place to pray. Usually for us, it's the exact opposite. When we get over busy and life is hectic and people are vying for our time, the quiet place, the eremos, the desert, the lonely place is the first thing to go rather than our first go-to. The first thing we lose is unhurried time to just sit with God in the quiet, to pray, to read a psalm, to take an internal inventory, to do some introspection, what a powerful thing, to let our souls catch up with our bodies. Is your body and your soul in unison? In the place of prayer, in the silence of solitude, that is where your soul catches up with your body, your mind, your emotions, your schedule, all of those things? Or is your body off living this life and your soul is quietly on the inside, dying, deteriorating, falling apart? God can give rest to your soul. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I'll give rest to your soul. This is the place of prayer. The abbot Marcarius uh, in the fourth century was preaching one day to his church. This is out with the desert fathers and mothers in the wilderness um, in, in a place called Skete, which is a center uh, or was a center for monasticism in northwest Egypt back in the 4th and 5th century. And in the middle of his sermon, he said to his congregation of monks and nuns and priests and those that were living the monastic lifestyle, Brethren or brothers, flee, flee from this place. Perplexed, one of 
the monks came up to him at the end of the sermon and said, where can we fly further than this place? We live in the desert. Marcius placed his finger to his mouth and said, flee from this. Flee from this. The talking, the noise, the chattering, the having to have the right response, the having to be right, the gossip, the news, that this happened, that that happened, the controversies, the worries, the ruminating in our mind. Flee from the noise of the chatter, the chattering, those that chatter around you. Flee from it. Flee and go to the place of silence. God is offering us the city called Still to come into its beautiful gates, to be around the king and the queen, silent solitude, to fall in love with the apple of everyone's eye, the little princess of the, of the city of Still, a slowed down spirituality. I know it's a weird name, but that's her name, slowed down spirituality. It's to slow your life down in order to be with Jesus. Silence is not wordless. Doesn't mean you never say anything, but the words you say are speaking words of love, words of adoration, words of faith, the dialogue, the two-way street between you and God in the place of silence. Being alone, being in the still, the solitude is not inaction. It's not just sitting in a chair doing nothing for 15 minutes, although I would recommend that. I've done a lot of just sitting and meditating this year. Why? Because God has said to me, find success, find meaning, find victory in the stillness. So I've been still and I've sat and I've just let him be God and let go of all control and let all the darkness and the gunk and the poison in my heart and my soul and my mind just seep away slowly as I've sat in my Eremos, in my desert, and just in the stillness, let it go. It's not inaction, it's not doing nothing, it's doing something. But it's not doing something in a religious sense and crying out to God. It's not listing God or, or, or to all your needs that you need answered in your prayer. No, it's a, it's a, think of the monks, think of the monastic sense of just, there's so much space to just be still and silent. It's, it's not inaction, it's a habit. Being still is a habit, it's a practice. You won't be able to do it very easily. But if you practice it, you'll do it. If you ever got in your car and you can't even sit there for five minutes, you've got to put on the radio, you've got to listen to a podcast, you've got to think about all your problems. Remember last year when Nova was a little baby and we were feeding her a lot of bottles and often I'd get my phone out and watch some Netflix or something while I was feeding her a bottle and I just realized one day in the middle of that, what am I doing? Yes, it may be four in the morning, I'm sitting here feeding a newborn a bottle, but why can't I just be still and silent and know God and not only know God, but just look at my newborn baby in the eyes and just love her and just be in her presence and just soak up her cuteness. Why do I need to watch a show or read an article or, 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 or think anxious thoughts in the middle of the night? It was the, one of the best things I've ever done. I put my phone away and I let God be God and I got to know him better. And I looked at my baby and I soaked in her, her, her newbornness and just got to know her a little bit at two in the morning four in the morning, whenever that was. On your seats today, you have 
the prayer of silence. And I just want to read it out to you now and then I'm going to hand over and uh, let you guys just finish off the service this morning. I want you to meditate on this together as a church without me. Teach me to stop and listen. You might want to pick it up and follow along with me this morning. There's a card right on your seat. Teach me to stop and listen. Teach me to center down. Teach me the use of silence. Teach me where peace is found. Teach me to hear your calling. Teach me to search your word. Teach me to hear in silence things I have never heard. Teach me to be collected. Teach me to be in tune. Teach me to be directed. Silence will end so soon. Then when it's time for moving, grant it that I might bring to every day and moment peace from a silent spring. Bless you.